Welcome to I Used to Be a Therapist podcast. I'm so thankful you're here with me today. So how many of you struggle sometimes with self-doubt? Maybe you work hard to find confidence or courage to trust your gut because it's a real thing. Many, many people struggle with this. So today I get to share a conversation that I had with Nicole McNeilis. She is a therapist from Pennsylvania and she has so much to share with all of us about courage and trusting yourself. Nicole works exclusively with women and women's issues and struggles. And for all of you therapists out there, she has an Instagram following you will want to check out just for mom therapists. She is creating a community that I know you will want to be part of. It's called Therapist Mom Collective. I will put the link in the show notes so you can go follow her. I know you'll want to. In our conversation, we talk about what courage is and what it is not. She gives practical things we all can do to help cultivate courage in our lives. And she talks about how we can learn to trust ourselves and our gut. You will not want to miss this conversation. I know it will add value to your day. Let's listen in. My name is Dr. Wendy Bruton, and I used to be a therapist. Welcome to my podcast. Leaving my career as a therapist, business owner, and counselor educator was a big risk. But now, as an author, coach, entrepreneur, and podcast host, I am fulfilling my passion to help people move forward toward an essentially better life. Each episode is filled with stories, information, and ideas that I know will be valuable to your life and to the lives you touch. So if you need a therapist or just someone who used to be a therapist, I know that this is a place that you will feel valued, valuable, and learn to move forward from what you used to be. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Nicole, so much for being with me today and being with us here on the podcast. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. And we're going to talk today about courage and uh, trusting yourself and having having courage. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about all of that. But before we get going, I'd love to hear just about you, what you do, your family, where you live, all that stuff. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. So my name is Nicole McNellis. I'm a licensed therapist in Pennsylvania, and that's currently where I live with my family, including my two young kids. Um, I am originally a Jersey girl, though, so I'm a bit of a transplant, um, and I cannot get through my summers without many, many trips to the Jersey Shore. That's still a big part of my life. Oh, um, yes, it's wonderful. Um, being less than two hours from the beach is pretty is pretty amazing. So it's still a really big part of our lives. And um, when I think of things that I'd like to do, um, the first thing I think of is I absolutely love cooking, but I have to I have to differentiate here. So I don't love like the weeknight, got to get something on the table, hope right. the kids will eat it cooking. That is not fun. <laughs> the no. cooking that I love is this recipe is complex. It has multiple parts. 
this will take many hours, but I can get creative with it and the results will be gorgeous and taste really good. So that's the kind of cooking that I like, which is definitely a little more difficult to find time for now, but I, I still really enjoy that. And I try to make time for that because it just brings joy into my life. And it just, it brings me joy to see other people eating and enjoying it. Um, so that's still something really fun um, that I love to do. And having grown up in a big Italian family, that's really not a surprise, but that's something really fun. It's like an art. Oh, yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And I am, I'm not a good rule follower and I'm (laughs) not in my life, not in my practice um, and not with cooking either. So when I look at a recipe, I look at it as kind of like an outline. And then I'm always thinking, you know, so my friends will ask me, oh, what's the recipe you used for that? And so I'll send them the recipe, but then I have to send them all all of the things that I did to the recipe to actually get to the result that I got to because I play around with it the whole time time. So I'm not a good baker. I should also point that out because you can't, it's a little harder to mess with baking. It's a little more sciencey, but cooking, you can kind of mess around with and still get a pretty good result. So I find that really fun. That sounds (laughs) fun. I like to cook too, but I'm not patient. Mm. So that doesn't, my husband, he's patient and he's a fabulous cook. So that's nice for me. I like to eat it. Absolutely. So, okay. So you are a therapist. I am. I would love to hear, and I'm asking everybody in this season, all of the therapists that I get to talk to, I'm asking them, why did you become a therapist? So, well, this is actually a really fun question for me because this is a second career for me. So I did not decide to become a therapist right out of undergrad. Um, I actually had, so my major in undergrad was industrial organizational psychology And really all that means is that I couldn't decide between business and psychology. So I found something that was a mix of both. And then when I graduated, I honestly still didn't know what I wanted to do. And I kind of fell into sales positions. So some corporate sales positions with some really big organizations. And it was the kind of thing I did it for six years and I was doing well, but I wasn't doing good. I didn't love what I was doing. I didn't feel like I was doing anything good in the world. And I have this conversation with clients so much. And we talk about how for some people, you can have a job and have it just be your day job. And it doesn't need to, you know, bring you fulfillment. It's, you know, it's what you do to get paid. And then there's other parts of your life where you really feel fulfilled and you really feel like those parts of your life bring you joy. And then there's other people because, you know, most of us are working full time Mm -hmm. where all of that time we spend at work, it has to be fulfilling. It has to bring us joy. It has to feel like it serves a bigger purpose. And I'm one of those people. Mm -hmm. And it took me years to, you know, because I was in my early 20s, you know, when I graduated from undergrad. So it took me years to recognize that I was in that latter category, that I needed my job to also to have purpose. And so I started to, it was a really difficult transition. I was terrified of going back to school. I'd been out of school. Of course, then I thought it was forever. I'd been out of school for six years. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was literally thinking to myself, I haven't taken a test in six years. I haven't written a paper in six years. How am I going to go back to graduate school? I haven't done this in years. I don't know that I know how to do this anymore, but it was the best decision I've ever made. I've never looked back. So I graduated from grad school a little over 10 years ago now. um, And I started out as a school counselor. And then after I had my children, I decided to transition into private practice. And now I own my own private practice, which is the best place I've ever been um, in my career. So where it really feels like this is 
this is mine. Mm -hmm. And I really feel, it feels like home Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. So that is how I came to be a therapist. So it was definitely a bit of a a windy path. Um, but I'm also thankful for it because those business skills and those sales skills, Mm -hmm. I carry those with me and I use them. So those are all good things to have. And so many therapists don't have those skills and they really need them, especially being in private Mm -hmm. practice and do having your own thing, you know, and Mm -hmm. people, I know so many therapists (laughs) go into private practice and they're like, yay, I'm going to have my own practice. But then the business side of it is just so challenging. Mm -hmm. So that's great that you have that background and can use that. So it sounds to me like you really did fulfill the why of why you became a counselor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. So tell me a little bit about your practice. Who do you see? What do you specialize in? Sure. So um, I have a a very specialized practice. So I work exclusively with women and I specialize in maternal mental health. So I like to say that I see women, moms and moms to be. And when I think about motherhood, um, we're talking motherhood across the lifespan. So, you know, I see clients who are pregnant Um, I see clients who have experienced losses. I see very new moms that have just had their babies. And I see moms, you know, who are in transition, who have teenagers, who are empty nesters. Um, So motherhood across the lifespan is a really important part of my practice. And um, one of the things I love most about what I do and in working with women is that um, women really, they truly, they allow me into the, or they welcome me into the most difficult and darkest spaces of their lives. Mm-hmm. And, and they trust me to help them find the light. And it's, to, it really, it's truly, it's, it's an honor. Yeah. And, you know, to, to be able to be in that vulnerable space with someone mm-hmm. is really, really meaningful and to help them bring the change that they're looking for to their life. It really is an honor, right? To sit with people who are willing yeah. to be vulnerable and share their, their stuff with you and Mm -hmm. Uh, That is amazing. And I I hope we get to hear a little bit more about that. But we are going to start. We're going to start talking about courage today. That's what we're talking about. The oil that we are talking about this week is valor. And so in our language, we would say courage, valor and courage and bravery. It also holds with it a bit of trusting yourself and knowing that you can do something. So we're going to kind of tie all of those things in together here. But let's start out. I would love for you to give us a definition that you would have for courage. And what is it? uh, Yeah, what is it? Okay. (laughs) What is it? And maybe what is it not? Sure. So as I mentioned, um, I'm not a rule follower, so I'm not going to give you the, uh, I'm going to stay away from the textbook definition. So (laughs) when I think of courage and when I think of bravery, I think about what it means to feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. That's what I think about. And I think that's so powerful, right? This idea that, and then in talking about what it's not, it's not about the absence of fear. It's not about the denial of fear. It's not about not speaking of the fear. It's what we do with that fear. Feeling fear is natural when we're talking about the unknown, when we're talking about something new. The the question then becomes, do you use that fear to help propel you forward or do you let that fear kind of overcome you? 
and get mm-hmm. stuck and then not not move at all, right? So mm-hmm. so I think that's what's really important. And you know, there are people who are we all have our natural tendencies, right? So some people or are more risk averse, some people are thrill seekers and like taking more risks. You can be either one of those, you can be somewhere on the continuum between those two things and you can still be brave and courageous and I think that that's what's really important. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that definition. I've heard that before. And I think that is the truth, right? That it is acknowledging the sphere and that it's scary and uncertain, whatever it is that we were going to do. And yet we are willing to face that and go for it and go for whatever it is that we have to do to be brave and do hard things. Right. Yeah. So why do you think it's important for our mental health to work on creating courage or cultivating courage in our life? It's, oh, it's so important. So when I think about cultivating bravery in our lives and the the effect that that has on mental health, I just think about how taking healthy risks can bring so much into our lives. I mean, the, the, the possi- possibilities are essentially endless, right? And mm-hmm. and when you think of what's on the opposite end right. of the spectrum from that, it's this idea that you're living a life that's controlled by fear, where you're not taking healthy risks. And what I encourage clients to really do is, you know, sometimes there's this idea that, well, I can't do that hard thing until, right? Mm-hmm. Until I get all of these things in my life in perfect order. And the truth is, there usually isn't ever a perfect time to do something. Mm-hmm. So I encourage clients to look at when is it good enough? You know, when is it just good enough? When can you tell that perfectionism and that imposter syndrome to kind of take a back seat so that you can make that leap so that you can take that healthy risk because you don't know what's on the other side of that and missing out on that can really take a toll. Mm-hmm. I like that you're talking about risk and healthy risk, right? So what's the difference? How, how do you know if it's a healthy risk or not a healthy risk? And where, when are you listening to your, the voices in your head that says, this is too scary? No, 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 no. And when do you not listen to those voices? And how, how do you know the difference? Oh, that's such a great question. And I think that brings us back to this idea of learning how to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And especially as women, I think we get so many messages, often contradictory. And sometimes I think really getting quiet and really listening to what is this fear about? Is it this idea that I can't take this leap until where is this fear coming from? Is this something I feel like I really can't do? What is so scary about this for me? And I frequently encourage clients to finish that sentence, take that fear to its logical end. And then what frequently happens is they recognize oh, even the end result, even if I failed, you know, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. wouldn't actually be that bad. And then we start to kind of walk it back from there. And what I encourage clients to do is you get to define what's a healthy risk. That's up to you Mm -hmm. because your healthy risk is going to look different than somebody else's healthy risk. So for some people, a healthy risk is, you know, jumping out of a plane and skydiving. (laughs) That's their healthy risk, right? Is doing something physical and exhilarating. And then for other people, their healthy risk is reading a book that challenges some long held beliefs, you know, and Mm -hmm. you get to decide that. 
And, um, and I, I love that. That's actually one of the things I love about therapy is teaching clients that they get to, they get to define these things for themselves. You know, we start to walk away from some of these messages. And I think that's really powerful. It is very powerful. What, what have you found that was helpful for you, maybe yourself and your clients that that's one of the things, you know, you were talking about one of the things that you found helpful was to kind of take those bad things that could happen to the end, right? And see what, what it is. Mm-hmm. But are there other things that you found that were helpful for them when they were not sure whether they could take a risk, whether they could find that courage in them to act? Yeah, I think sometimes breaking down the scary thing so I know that, so I'll give an example um, from my own life, because that's clearly something I know yeah. pretty well, I'm pretty familiar with, even though it was a few years ago when I experienced this. Um, when I was thinking about um, transitioning and switching careers and making a pretty dramatic switch, I remembered I had gotten to a place where it felt, making that type of transition felt so big that in some ways it felt really impossible. I felt like, um, and I'm one of those people that um, has a tendency to be responsible to a fault. So I felt like I graduated undergrad. This is what I decided to do. Maybe I should just stick with it a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And then there was a moment we were in a, and and it's, it's recognizing these moments for what they really are. So I was in a, um, so when you're, you know, when you're in sales, there's most organizations have these sales conferences multiple times a year. So I was at a sales conference and we had the speaker and he talked about how hope is not a plan. And I understood that from a logical standpoint, but emotionally that felt like a gut punch because I, I'm in my head, I was thinking, well, hope is so much more than that. It's everything. So I get that from a sales perspective, hope is not a plan. You can't just say, I hope I'm making this sale. I hope I'm doing this marketing well enough. I, right. I get mm-hmm. that but there was no acknowledgement that hope is so much more than that. And that was actually, believe it or not, that was the moment I came home from that conference. And I literally said to myself, I cannot do this anymore. I can't be in a space where hope is not not encouraged or acknowledged. And it felt like this is, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And it just got to the point where I recognized that, okay, this is this message is coming through loud and clear, and I need to trust myself, and I need to start to dream again. I need to start to look outside of what I'm currently doing and start thinking about what are the possibilities, and allow the possibilities to scare me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and you know, and then I started down that path, and a few months later, I was starting graduate school. But <laughs> it was it was very scary. But like you mentioned. Um, just because something's hard doesn't mean you can, can't do it. We can do hard things. So acknowledging that you can do hard things, trusting your gut feeling, um, are, it's all really important. And I, I do, I work really hard with, with clients on that because we frequently, we're so inundated with these outside messages. Sometimes it's really hard to get quiet and really listen to yourself and really try to figure out kind of what's going on internally and where you need to take that. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I run a group a membership group and it's it's just a bunch of women it's called the lady tribe and the transformation project lady tribe actually that's where I got transformation project for my last season and one of the things that we say in there all the time is that we do hard things Mm. that we can do hard things and they are hard and we can do them 
you know, and I think it's a big deal because so many times we're like, it's so hard and it <laughs> is. And those are hard things and we can do hard things. And that's, I mean, it's really good to be able to acknowledge that about ourselves, that that is something that we can do, even though it's hard. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it takes us to be very uncomfortable, mm. right? Because that's what you were talking about in your, yep. you know, you, you had this moment that you were just so uncomfortable where you were. And yes. sometimes for us to actually be brave, our life has to give us something that is so uncomfortable for us that we are unwilling to stay where we're at. Yeah. And then it provokes that courage in us, right? And That's right. The willingness for us to say, okay, I can do hard things and I'm certainly not going to stay here. And Absolutely. so I'm choosing to do something that is a risk for me because I can't stay in this place mm -hmm. anymore, whatever that is, right? For you, yes. it was that, that career, but for some people, you know, it's a relationship or it's just their emotional place that they're in, in their life, like an emotional state that they just can't they can't manage it anymore. And so they know they have to do something new, something mm -hmm. different. And that's what encourages the, the courage in us, right? Encourages the courage. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I call that growing pains, right? It's when you get so uncomfortable that you decide that you can't stay in that place. And then you have to be ready to endure growing pains. And I think in some ways we can learn to appreciate growing pains. Um, I frequently tell clients, you know, therapy is not for the faint of heart. Not Therapies work. And it, so good therapy is hard work. Mm -hmm. And frequently the hard work is done outside of session. Like, especially, you know, for many of the moms that I work with having 50 minutes to yourself where you're talking to another adult is like really nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that's the really nice part of therapy. And the hard work comes where they're trying to take what we've done in session and put that in place and use that, utilize it in some way in their life, whether it be a coping mechanism or strategy or an intervention or whatever, or just a different framework, a different way of thinking about things. That's the hard part. But when you start to do that work, you recognize that, well, first of all, it gets easier as you continue to do the work and you get more used to it. But there, there's growing pains that Absolutely. come with that. It's challenging, mm -hmm. but there's such, there's such beauty in that. Mm-hmm. That's true. And then, so I would love to hear that what happens in this area of courage when they start doing that, your clients are starting to do new things and scary things and, and finding some results. I mean, what do you see in these healthy and strong people when it's actually lived out? What's so interesting is that it's almost like there's a new framework and that framework recognizes that this is a process, right? Because I think sometimes when we think about doing hard things, when we think about this idea of bringing courage and bravery into our lives and taking healthy risks, we think I do this thing and then I'm done, right? But where the real work comes in is when you recognize I do that thing and then there's another hard thing. <laughs> 
And sometimes doing that first hard thing is actually getting me to a place where the next hard thing is coming in. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But that's actually the, the, the beauty of that path, if you will. Um, I know when I meet with colleagues and because I, I have a somewhat of an unusual path in terms of how I got to where I am, um, you know, they'll ask me about it and I'll say, uh, and I, I mentioned this earlier, that where I am now in having my own practice feels like home. This feels like this is where I was always supposed to be. But that doesn't mean that once you're home, that you can't redecorate every once in a while. So um, my private practice is actually still quite young. So even though I've been a therapist for over 10 years, my practice is only a little over a year old. Mm-hmm. And my practice was in terms of one, one-on-one sessions, my practice was full about eight months in, which was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I realized once I got to that place of being full and meeting with clients one-on-one that as wonderful as this was, that there could be, there could be something else, that there could be the, there could be a next thing within this really comfortable place. Mm-hmm. And that that's a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling. And, mm-hmm. but it's also exciting because now I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to think about, okay, I feel like I have the private, the solo private practice thing down. Like this feels really good. I'm really comfortable with this, but now where can I start to push myself? Where can I start to stretch myself? How can I continue to serve this population that I absolutely adore? Is there another way mm-hmm. for me to reach them and to reach more of these women that I enjoy working with? Like what's next? Mm-hmm. So, and it is, it's scary and it's exciting at the same time. So, so that's how I'd like to frame that. Yeah. And I think also just like you were saying, like courage breeds courage because mm-hmm. you know, you have done something hard. You've done hard things, right? You have been uncomfortable and chosen to do something that was super scary and you saw you were able to do it. And so now you know that you can do something scary. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens in all of us that, yeah. and I'm sure you see that in your clients as well, that they start by doing something super scary and not sure, but then they know they can. And so then it gets exciting, right? Like that's where the excitement pops up. And mm-hmm. yeah. That's great. So I would love for you to give all of us listeners here today something really tangible that we can do to start our work toward cultivating courage in our life and, you know, entrusting ourselves to know which is the good risks to take and, you know, just to trust our gut a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah. So When I think about something really tangible, the way that I walk clients through this is I have them think about, um, and frequently this is what they're bringing up regardless, really thinking about an area um, of your life where you feel like something's missing or something is amiss, or, you know, it's that, it's just that ache, you know, something is just something you're, you're getting that vibe, you know, that, that you're, you're aching to do something different, you know, where it just doesn't, something does not feel right, you know, and frequently because of the the population of clients that I work with, I get this message that, but I've done all the right things. I've checked off all of the right boxes. I've done all of the things that I'm supposed to do up until this point. And yet something doesn't feel right. And my message is embrace that. 
those feelings are telling you something. So lean into that. Don't push that feeling away. Let's find out what that feeling is trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. And once you really start to think about and you're going to that place of acknowledgement, you mentioned that acknowledgement, I think is so important in this process, right? Because if we don't acknowledge where we really are, if we don't acknowledge that thing that is amiss, if we don't acknowledge that discomfort, well, then how can you move forward? Right. You, you can't, you have, that's where you're starting. So you're starting in the place of acknowledgement. And then once you start in that place of acknowledgement, really thinking about what, what it is that's going on in your life, what it is that you want to change, then you start to think about, you want to break it down. You really want to try to break it down so that it, it doesn't feel so huge. It doesn't feel so impossible. So if you're thinking about a career transition, start to dream a little bit. If you're, you know, struggling in your relationship, think about how you would like things to be, you know, and also don't be afraid to let yourself go down that path of the quote unquote failure, you know, walk yourself through that and then look at, okay, these are the things that I'm afraid of face those fears. Mm -hmm. You know, what we really want to do is start to pull that apart and start to break it down. And then once you kind of, you're, you know, really, really processed that acknowledgement phase, then just pick one thing and do that thing, take some action, right? Turn whatever that is into action. So for me, it was starting to look at graduate schools, you know, just looking at the websites, you know, just seeing what was, just seeing what was out there, you know, and if you're struggling with something in a relationship, you know, ask somebody for a really good book to read on whatever it is in that, you know, that piece of relationship that you're struggling with, you know, so don't be afraid that first step doesn't have to be a gigantic step. In fact, it's usually much more helpful when it's just a small step, because then like you mentioned, Wendy, you want to build on that. So you want to make that first step something that you can build on and something that you can feel confident moving forward with. You don't want to knock yourself down before you even get started. That's really good. Those are good ideas. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else, anything else you want to say about courage or trusting yourself before we move on? You know, the, the one thing that, that comes to mind and I do, I'm, I'll admit it. I'm so biased because of the, the, (laughs) the beautiful population and the, the beautiful clientele that I get to work with. But frequently, you know, we get this idea that, we get so many messages um, as women of how you need to be in this world, how you need to engage in this world, all of these things that you're supposed to be doing. And sometimes when you're thinking about what it is that you need, sometimes the act of just being and just being seen, kind of removing some of the pretense in your life can get you to this. That's courageous. Very <laughs> As courageous. women, that's cur- saying, this is who I am and this is how I'm going to show up. And I like, that is so powerful. And in so many ways, it's radical. And mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Those are good words. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. I want to hear a little bit more about what you're doing. And is there anything that you want people to know about your practice or other things that you're offering at all right now? Sure. So I am just in the, I'm in the the conception phases. So um, things that I am starting to work on. So, you know, right now um, I'm just doing the private practice thing, but I'm hoping to expand and I'm looking to work on some programming for, um, for my type A mamas. So these are my 
high achieving, stressed out, impossible standards, the, you know, the inner critic that just won't quit. So um, these are, I mean, I, I love working with these moms. Um, I feel like in so many ways, these are my people. And yes. so I'm really, um, I'm working on some programming where I can reach more of um, these moms who are really struggling and just trying to juggle it all. Um, and it's tough and it's a really tough spot to be in right now, especially. So, mm-hmm. so kind of stay tuned for that. Um, Cause that's something that uh, will be, will be coming out. And then in terms of being able to find me, so I have a website, it's NicoleMcNellis.com. And then um, I do have a social media presence on Facebook and it's Nicole McNellis therapy on Facebook. Okay, great. Well, people will, I'm sure, want to connect with you and hear more about what you're doing. And I would love to know if, so you're in Pennsylvania. Do you see people outside of Pennsylvania since you do telehealth? Oh, that's a great question. So um, for therapy, um, I only see, I'm only licensed in Pennsylvania and I only see clients in Pennsylvania. Um, But for the programming that I'm working on, that will be much more open because that won't be under kind of the, the therapy umbrella. Great. That will be fun for people to connect with you. I know there's lots of mamas out there who will want that. So, okay. Great. We'll put all of that information, your website and all that stuff in the show notes so people can check that out. And I have three questions that I always ask everybody on my podcast. So I'm going to ask you, I'd love to hear, first of all, an event that changed you. So this is probably not going to be a surprise considering everything I've talked about today. Um, but it was, it was becoming a mom. And um the way that I like to think about um, becoming a mom. So you frequently hear these cliches that it, it changes everything. And in some ways it does. Um, but in other ways, you actually become more of yourself mm. because so much of that pretense is stripped away. You know, when you have a baby that's waking up all the time and needs to sure. eat every few hours and you actually become more of yourself. Um, and I found that truly empowering. Like this is who I am. And because you have so much less time, you also have to prioritize in a very <laughs> different way. True. So you get things together real fast when you want to get things done. And, um, and I, I do, I think that that's, I think that's powerful. I think that that's, I found that empowering. It took me some time to get there, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I truly, truly believe that. That's great. That is a big event for people to become a mama. Great. Okay. The second question is a person who changed you. So um, this is actually my my sister-in-law, um, believe it or not. I don't know if you hear about um, in-laws. I haven't <laughs> yet. That's, in the, that's great. I love that. Who changed you. So I have, um, I have two siblings. I have two brothers. So I don't have any biological sisters. So for me to gain um, a sister and to gain a sister-in-law was pretty awesome when I got married. And um, Gretchen's just amazing. So she... Um, her son is, is a few years older um, than mine, but she was really, she was the person who was out and who was helping when I needed help with things. And, you know, you don't realize the things that you don't know when you first become a mom. Yeah. So it was like, you know, my son would be crying and she'd be like, oh, you know, sometimes a change of scenery helps. We can just take him outside on the deck. And then he would stop crying. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. You know, <laughs> and she was the one teaching me how to use the baby carriers. You know, she was, um, Gretchen is somebody that shows up. And so, 
and she's always showed up for me. And it really, I do, I feel like I have a sister. And um, when I was starting my own business, she really showed up for me. So she's an entrepreneur, she's a creative, she has her own business. And when I told her that I was thinking of starting my own practice, she was like, okay, what needs to be done? And she helped with my messaging and with my website. And she really helped me conceptualize so much of what I wanted to do. But then she was also so encouraging. And she's also, she's really good at taking healthy risks. Um, So I've learned from her um, quite a bit in that arena. So thanks, Gretch. (laughs) I love that. That's great. That is wonderful. Good shout out to her. Um, Okay. The last question is a book that changed you. So one of my favorite books that I read many years ago um, and that changed me was a wild from uh, Cheryl Strayed. Mm -hmm. And if we have time, there is a quote that I actually have hanging up in my office from her book that I think is so relevant uh, to our conversation today. So the quote is, I knew that if I allowed fear to overtake me, my journey was doomed. Fear to a great extent is born of a story we tell ourselves. And so I choose to tell myself a different story from the one women are told. I decided I was safe. I was strong. I was brave. Nothing could vanquish me. Oh, that's a wonderful quote. You have it up in your office? Yes. (laughs) That's beautiful. I look at it every day. (laughs) That is a beautiful quote. I have not actually read that book, but I've heard so many people have said like wonderful things about that book. So I need to put that on my Amazon list today. (laughs) So I will do that. Thank you for sharing that. And I will put the link to Wild in the show notes too. So. Thank you so much, Nicole, for being with us today and for all your insight and wisdom and for just sharing with us. Yes. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. And thank you for for sharing and for the opportunity. This was great. We'll stay connected. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing more about all that you have coming. Sounds good. I'm so glad you joined us. Make sure to subscribe so you can get all the episodes. And you can help support our podcast by clicking the support button in the show notes or going to our website, essentiallybetterlife.com. Follow me on social at Essentially Better Life and check out my website for all kinds of information on business and personal coaching, my book, and even some great stuff on essential oils. Thanks for listening. Blessings and be well, my friends.